Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Worship, wasn't that phenomenal tonight? Give it up for those guys. They did a wonderful job. And the worship piece tonight, uh, just excellent this evening. Appreciate the worship, and, um, uh, and I love the theme, for His glory. That's why we live. We live for His glory, for His honor, and to give Him the praise that belongs to Him. It's why we're here on this planet. Uh, you know, as I was thinking about the theme, you know, I, when you think about the word glory, it actually means uh, weight or, or heaviness. I think of that, that classic verse in Isaiah where it says, Holy, 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 the Lord's, of, the Lord's heaven's armies, the whole earth is, is filled with His glory. One day this earth will be filled with the full glory of the eternal King of kings and the Lord of lords. What a day that will certainly be when that happens. The vision, I just seen that vision of God's robe filling the temple and flying all around. What a majestic scene in Isaiah's vision. Tonight, we've all navigated dark places in our lives. In fact, uh, you might be in one this evening. And uh, I want to talk to you this evening as we uh, walk with a man of God who I believe was asked to do one of the most challenging things in his life. In fact, I believe it's a story like none other in the Bible. A story that is uh, as together as men, as fathers, and as sons. And that should cover everybody in the room. You're either a father or you're a son. Would you agree? Now, you might have stopped and think about that a minute. I know some of you may be a little slower than others. It's okay. I mean, we, we are west of West Virginia. And if you are from West Virginia, it's okay. So am I. So um, we're all right. I can get by with that. rest of you, you'll catch up with me in a little bit. Um. I think God's going to speak. I believe the Lord is going to speak to us tonight. And in preparation for that, could we pray for just for a second, please? Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for this room. Thank you for this unique gathering of men that have gathered together in this one place tonight. For each heart and each life that is here and the families that are represented. Next few moments that we have together tonight, God, I ask you to speak to us in a clear and forceful voice. I ask you to help me to speak clearly. Would you please anoint me again tonight, Lord, I pray. I'm a human being in need of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Would you please do that again tonight? I love you tonight, Father. Speak to our hearts and help us to hear and to understand. In Christ's name, amen. The setting of which I'm going to talk about, and you'll catch on very quickly, and I'll read the verses in just a second, uh, is a story about an old guy that was uh, 100 years old. Safe to say he's probably older than anybody in this room. Fair statement. In fact, his wife was no spring chicken. She was about 90 years old. And God tells them they're going to have a son. As incredible as what that uh, promise would be to him, 
uh, God actually held off that promise for another 25 years. Wow. So, by the way, you can, guys, you can uh, elbow the guy next to you and, uh, and say, uh, you still can do it. <laughs> and if you're an old, if you're a young guy, say, you better not be doing it. I can't do that in a mixed crowd, just saying. <laughs> Got to know your audience. In fact, it was so incredible that his wife, you know, laughed just like you're laughing and, and God had to tell her it's anything too hard for God. You guys know the story of Sarah and Abraham. You're with me now. Okay. Uh, but that's not exactly where I'm going tonight. I'm jumping fast forward to another 16 to 20 years later in their lives. Let me read a couple of script, few scriptures very quickly from the New Living Translation. It says it this way. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early and saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac, and he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out to the place that God told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked and saw the place in the distance and said, Stay here with the donkey. And Abraham took, told his servants, The boy and I will travel a little further, and we'll come back. Then we'll come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while himself carried the fire and the knife, and two of them walked together, and Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, he said, but where is, and the sheep, where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. They arrived at the place where God told him to go, and Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it, tied his son Isaac, laid him on top of the wood. A couple of things I want to talk about, and then we'll get right to the very meat of where I want us to go. First of all, as the story untolds, is that Abraham, when God began to speak with him, he knew very clearly, first of all, that it was the voice of God. Now, Abraham had walked with God long enough to clearly distinguish God's voice to him. In fact, Abraham was called to follow God and had been following the Lord for over 70 years of his life. So when God spoke to him, he knew exactly who it was that it was speaking to him. So when God spoke to him on that particular day, he didn't have to go figure out who it was was talking to him. He knew the voice of God. He maintained unquestionable obedience. It's one of the things I find very remarkable in the story because it said early the next morning. Because I read the story of what God is asking him, it is actually the most unthinkable thing that I could even imagine. I, I was reading a, a few months back the book by Mark Batterson says, When the Day. Mark Batterson says something in this nature. He says, when you have to, and he uses the phrase this way, when you have to eat a frog, 
eat it early. And if you have to eat two frogs, eat the large one first. I've used that piece of logic a few times lately since then. If you get his logic, if you've got to do a very hard task, just go ahead and get it done and get it over with. There's no use in having to think about it all day long. I don't know about you, but if there's something I've got to do that's really difficult, uh, I kind of like to put it off a little while. Anybody like me in the room? You know, you just dread making that phone call or, or having that difficult conversation with someone, and you'd rather not do it right then? Uh, is there anybody like me in the room? Okay, you, you can talk to me a little bit. It's okay. I'm not the only one. So I've tried to heed Mark's advice a little bit. But Abraham was that way. I mean, he just said, okay, this is why I know the voice of God. I know what God's asking me to do. So I get up the next morning. I'm moving down the road where God has told me to go. I try to picture this in my mind. Here was one time a very strong and proud man, but now he is he's old and he's perhaps gray and a bit slumped over, weathered in the arid desert, perhaps perplexed by the demand of God that he has been following all of his life. Years ago, he sent away his other son, Ishmael, at the command of God. And now God tells him to take his son a promise. And on top of that, it's a three-day journey. Why three days? Why have to take that journey and have to think about and mull about? Now, I think mostly as men that we are probably mullers. Most of us don't have the gift of communication. I mean, studies have been shown that we have less words than females. I mean, how many times have we come home from a job that we've already been, we've been talking all day and your, and your wife wants to talk to you and that's the last thing you want to do? Do I have any honesty in the room? And by the time we get home, we've already expelled all the words that we, God has given us and we're done. And so we resort to our native language. Oh. I mean, if we're, like, and Frank and I were talking just a minute ago, if we're with a bunch of guys, uh, means a great deal. The inflection, the tone, we can communicate. I mean, I can ride down the road with one of my sons, and we might say two words, and we've had a great conversation. Maybe that's why my wife falls asleep when we're traveling somewhere. I've just now figured it out. You just helped me with therapy already. How about that? That's about as far as we get in conversation. But God gives him three days to mull this thing over about why he has to take his only son, everything that's wrapped up in that boy that God has given to him, and to go three days' journey. We'll get back to that. And yet there's resilience in his cracked voice as they dismount and get to their destination. And he says, we will worship there, and we will come back. And so they leave, him and his son. 
Todd, where are you? I've lost you in the crowd. Todd, would you come up here? Quickly. Carry the wood. Hold steady. It's time for a sacrifice. We've got the wood. We're going to take the wood. We're going to carry it over to the mountain. They travel, they've ridden for three days. They come all the way over towards the place for sacrifice. And they reach their destination around. Lay the wood down quietly. the old man have a seat sit down takes him takes the rope The boy says, we've got the wood. We've got the fire. Where's the lamb? boy, by biblical record, is a minimum of 16 years old and could be as old as 20 years old. The old man is about 140 years old. And the boy, at any moment, could have resisted and overpowered the old man. But he doesn't. You see, there's two things at play in the very beginning. First of all, There is the submission of the young man who had watched his dad worship God all of his life.
And there is the sacrifice of the dad who lays it all down. Here's some things I want to leave with you tonight. Past sacrifices are not indicative of a finished work. Let me explain. You see, sometimes we, have, we are led to believe that if we made a sacrifice in our life, that it's a one and done deal. And guys, I'm here to remind us that that is not true. I've heard it so many times. I said, well, I, I've done that years ago. I made a sacrifice way back when. I've done my time. It doesn't work that way. Here was Abraham now at the twilight of his life. Here's a man that had, had done many things for the Lord. And it almost feels like it should get easier to trust God the older that we are and the longer we walk with God. But I tonight I remind us that sometimes the, the, the hardest battles happen at the, toward the end of our lives. You say it's not supposed to work that way. I can't answer the whys. Abraham at 75 walked away from everything he knew into an uncertain future. He lived in a foreign land at the threat of his own safety in Egypt during a famine. He physically rescued his nephew Lot from a fight that he didn't start. In extended time, he trusted for his son that took 25 years to happen. And now at 145 years old, God says, take that son and offer him. I just simply remind us, we are called to live a life of sacrifice. And it doesn't end. Secondly, tonight, there are times in our lives that obedience to God may seem totally unreasonable to us. Can I give you a news flash? God doesn't ask our opinion. Hate to tell you that. God didn't ask your opinion or mine sometimes. Jonah didn't like the people of Nineveh or the fact that God wanted him to go there. God doesn't ask you or, or I what, what, what we think about something. Because God sees the end in mind rather than the process it takes to get there. You and I have to deal with the immediate and have to trust God with the end. It's kind of like now... We, we, we're here in Stephen City. I would ask you, how many of you have ever seen the Apple Blossom Parade? How many, I should ask you, how many, how many of you leave town when the Apple Blossom Parade happens? 
<laughs> you see, it's kind of like watching the parade. When, you, when you've been there watching, you only see what moves immediately in front of you. And if you happen to be there and there's that huge gap, you're wondering, why is there this big gap in the parade? Because what we see is only what moves in front of us. Well, God sees the entire thing at the same time. God sees time that way. We only see the immediate. And so we have to trust God to know that he sees the end. And that's what sometimes makes it hard on us. Isaac represented all of God's promises and future to Abraham. And to kill Isaac in Abraham's eyes would be to kill all the promises of God. It made no sense. But Abraham was about to do it anyway. There are some decisions in life that make no sense to us. Why should you give up a lucrative career to follow the call of God? Why should you turn down overtime work to worship on Sundays? Why end a relationship or business partnership that is destroying your faith? Why walk away from a scholarship to, to pursue ministry? Why change careers? And on and on we could go with a hundred other types of things like that. Why? Because it's the right thing and God has spoken to you. That's why. Thirdly, and I would submit perhaps most importantly. And here's where I want you to please, as said earlier, lean in. I want to ask everyone in the room to think about this question tonight. Is there anything in our lives more valuable than God himself. Before you answer the question, I want you to consider some things and just think about it in your minds tonight. What is it that consumes your life? If you must choose what you'd want to do and what God wants you to do, which one wins? Does your, if you have children, do they know the priorities of your life? What drives or motivates you? You see, in Abraham's life, I believe Isaac's life held everything that was dear to him. 25 years he waited for his arrival. He spent some 45 years to this point. His entire future pinned on him. Everything. Everything was bound in the life of that young man. And God said, put him on the altar as a whole burnt offering 
and sacrifice him. And so they go a three days journey. They carry a pan of coals. They carry the fire. He laid the wood on Isaac's back. And they walk to the mountain. He lays the wood. Isaac asked the question. I see the wood. I see the fire. But where is the lamb? And he says, God will provide as he ties his hands, ties his feet, draws his knife. And I believe draws his hand back. And is ready to thrust it. And God says, stop. He goes, sit down, Todd. Take it off. And finds a ram in the thicket. Thank you, Todd. By the way, Alex hits the keys. Go ahead, Alex, wherever you are. Three days journey was there for a reason. God didn't send him three days to torment Abraham. He sent him there because a location was critical. The location was Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah was the very place when David numbered Israel and God brought a curse and people were dying. It would be there that he would offer a sacrifice. In fact, the Scripture says, the owner said, here it is, David, I'll give it to you. And David said, no, I will not offer that with, for God, which costs me nothing. I will buy it at full price. And he purchased it. It's the same place that Solomon built the temple. It's the same place that we know today as Mount Calvary. It's why God sent him on a three-day journey. 
God wasn't doing it just to torment Abraham. The location was critical. The other thing that's critical in this story is the fact that he laid the wood on Isaac's back. Because the Scriptures remind us on 1 Peter 2.24 that he, Jesus, carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You see, there are guys this evening, I believe, that are carrying things that God never meant you to carry. They're not yours. They don't belong to you. Jesus carried them for you. So tonight, there are a couple of things I want you to think very seriously about tonight. Really, three things come to my mind very keenly as we recap just for a second. Number one, what are you carrying that doesn't belong to you? So what are you talking about? What is the guilt that you're carrying that Jesus already paid the price for? What is the sin that, is your, that you're carrying around that you're beating yourself up over that's not yours? My Bible tells me that he paid the price for all of it. All of it. And whatever is reminding you of that sin is, been, is wrong and is a lie. It's already been taken care of at a cross. When Jesus said, it's finished, it's finished. It's over. Once and for all, the writer of Hebrews said, it's over. Second thing I want us to think about, and would you stand with me as we're closing this session out? Second thing I want you to think about as before we pray is there anything in your life today as a believer that has slid in your life, young men, old men? adult man, and everything in between that has slid in that has become more important than God in your life. It happens so easily. What do you place your value on?
There's nothing wrong with so many things that we do, but it can become it can become a God. A number of years ago, I was working with a young man. Got married. Less than two years, his marriage fell completely apart. Why? Because his God became softball. His entire life revolved around it. It became more important to him than anything else in his life. Softball. He would rather play softball than spend time with his wife. Rather play softball than be in church. Rather, his entire life revolved around it. Go to work. Go to softball. Spring ball. Fall ball. Winter ball. It's just softball. And that's just an example of what anything in our lives can, can get out of whack. And all of a sudden, it becomes a God. And that's what was happening to Abraham's life as if Isaac was becoming more important than God. And guys, it can happen to all of us. I don't want it to happen to me. We all perhaps have a hobby or something, and, and in its rightful place, it's fine. But when it gets where it keeps us away from the Lord, where it draws us away from our home, our kids, it happens so easy. So I'm going to ask you tonight as we pray in just a moment, we're going to make an altar where we're at. If it's something in your life, it's just went a little too far. Let's ask God to help us with it tonight. Let's surrender it back to Him. Corey Ten Boom used to say, let's not hold on to things so tightly that God has to pry it out of our grasp. Because if God has to pry it out, it's going to hurt. I'd rather just submit it to Him. It works a lot better that way. So if you're carrying something you shouldn't be carrying tonight, let's come to an altar. Let's unload it back to where it belongs. If we need to submit something that has gotten out of alignment, you know, it's kind of like a fan, a fan belt. I don't know if you ever had, a, had something go out of alignment. I have. I had an idler pulley that was out of alignment. Every new belt I put on that dumb car would fly off. I couldn't figure out why. I put the old one on, it would stay. Why? Because it was worn. Out of alignment. Every new belt I'd put on would fly right off. It would fray. Drove me crazy. I went through three brand new belts because I'm hard-headed. Come on, guys. Anybody? Yeah, and I figured out the idler pulley was out of alignment. And if we get out of alignment, we'll do the same thing. Let's get back in alignment. Just must be two things. I forgot what the third one was already. So I'm a guy. Let's keep it simple. How's that? 
Let's pray. I'm going to tell you what the third one is real quick. just came right back to me. <laughs> Might as well be honest with you guys. I, with guys, I can get by with that. If I got ladies in here, they'll never let me forget it. No, it's the most important thing I don't want to forget. Gentlemen, young men, if you don't know Jesus tonight, it's a great place to say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. Sorry for what I've done wrong. I want to live for Jesus. Tonight, if that's you, right where you're standing, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my heart. Sorry for what I've done wrong. I want to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it does to become a follower of Christ. So let's make an altar right here. Lead us into the song, please, Alex. And let's begin to pray. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.